0: This is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, we just changed the setting a little bit, and I sat down at the table, and I'm going to share with you some things out of the book of John. And we just came through Holy Week, and we're in Holy Weekend now and we're really celebrating the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. But what's so interesting about this Holy Week is that the book of John was written in its 21 chapters, but 10 of the chapters were all written about this last week. And so uh, we're going to read a few things that when you read toward the end of John, you see that this all happened right at the end of Jesus' life. And we're going to read here from John chapter 12, Um, so if you'd go ahead and open there but the setting here is that jesus had just raised lazarus from the dead and so of course people were in awe and were tripping out they were amazed at what jesus did they were following him wondering who's this man who raised this guy from the dead jesus was walking around and healed many sick people uh he at the beginning of john chapter 12 he just had what we call the triumphal entry and that was where we celebrate palm sunday where he was on a colt and he was walking It was uh riding the colt in and all the people loved him so much he was i mean a man of the greatest honor in the city and they put down their palm branches so that the colt could walk through and I, i could imagine the disciples thinking he picked us I mean, this is us. We're walking with the king. He's the man. He's getting more popular. Look at how he's getting, you know, uh, everyone loves him. Look at all the things he's doing. He's the most powerful man in the world, so to speak. And then we read here in John chapter 12, and that's where I want to pick up here. It's very close to where Jesus was about to give his life. Here in John chapter 12 and verse 19, the setting says, then the pharisees said to each other there's nothing we can do look everyone has gone after him see the pharisees are frustrated they're like how can we constrain him everybody likes him he's popular he just raised the dead he's healing people how can we constrain him and then it says in verse 20 that some of the greeks who had come to jerusalem for the passover celebration paid a visit to philip who is a disciple from bethsaida in galilee and they said sir we want to meet Jesus. People are coming from out of, the t- out of town. He was so famous. So Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus, hey, these Greek people are coming from out of town. Your fame's big. They want to meet you, out time, uh, outside visitors. I could imagine, again, the disciples thinking, this guy's a big deal, and we're his disciples. We get to travel with him. But the very next verse in verse 23 of chapter 12 in John, Jesus replied and said, now the time has come for the son of man to enter his glory <laughs> i could imagine his friends saying yeah enter his glory right i mean he's, he's he's getting big he's getting famous but jesus meant something different he said enter his glory see uh he says i tell you the truth in verse 24 unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies it remains alone he was speaking to a culture that did a lot of planting and reaping so they really understood this example he said unless a kernel is planted into the ground you don't hold it in your hand but you plant it in the ground and it dies he said it remains alone but its death will produce many new kernels a plentiful harvest of new lives I could imagine them thinking about I thought you were going to enter your glory I thought you were famous and popular, and we were walking with you. And now you're talking about dying. Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean dying? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about here. And then in verse 25, it says, "Those who Jesus says those who love their life in this world will lose it." See, He goes from talking about His life and giving, uh, offering His life and dying, and He says, "And those who love their life in this world will lose it." Those who care nothing about their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. See, I want to tell you, it's not just about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. It's about us following suit, following after him and doing the same thing that he did. So when we're celebrating Easter and resurrection, and we're saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. We've actually gone through somewhat of the same process. And I want to touch on a little bit of that says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor me, will honor anyone who serves me. See, he confronts him. He confronts them. It's not only about my death, but it's about your death as well. He says, now my soul is deeply troubled. And he asks them, should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. He says, it's really for this reason that I've come. So he's answering his question. He's saying, you know, should I ask, should I, go be famous right now and try to live my life on this earth he says no it's because this purpose this is the whole reason why i came see when jesus came he was the representation of love he showed love he healed people he taught people he cared for people he said let the little children come unto me but i'll tell you they didn't understand then why are you leaving us Why is your life being taken away? And he said, it's not being taken away. I'm laying it down. Because he didn't only love the people who were present. He loved the people in the future. He loved us. He wasn't only looking in their eyes. (laughs) I think in the future, he was looking into our eyes. And he was seeing where we were going to be. And he was saying, if I stay with you, then I'm not going to be able to reach them. And I love them. Jesus loves you. He loves every single one of us so much that he gave his own life. He said, now my soul is deeply troubled. I want to tell you, this wasn't just some play that Jesus came down and walked out and and talked out and said, hey, check this out. Here's what I'm going to do next. I've seen it all written. No, his soul was deeply troubled. It wasn't only his body that was crucified. He had internal trouble he was going through emotions this was something that was difficult for them and he said and when i'm lifted up from the earth we know the scripture if you've been around church he said i will draw all men unto myself he said this to indicate how he was going to die if i'm lifted up from the earth on the cross crucified then i'm going to draw all men unto myself see easter we call it resurrection day I know some people are even against calling it Easter. They say that's a pagan holiday because of the the bunnies and how they reproduce. And there's a a God and all this kind of... Let me tell you, we ain't worshiping no bunny God. We ain't worshiping uh, any other one than Jesus. To us, Easter is Resurrection Sunday. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he did on the cross. It's all about him being buried. It's all about him being raised up from the dead for our salvation. That's what Easter is for for us but let me tell you uh, the resurrection day for us is the day that changed everything it's a day that changed eternity it's really what we call some would call the final victory in life it's the the greatest day on earth in our lives but it's not just the day of victory it was really a series of victories sort of like a trilogy Uh, uh, it's really the final victory. It's like the home run. It's the homecoming. It's the climax of the whole thing of Jesus' life, of the prophetic uh, uh, utterances that were spoken in him coming to earth and being born as a king and living his life and healing and loving and and finally dying on the cross, but it didn't end there. He was buried and in the grave, and then finally he breaks forth out of the grave. It was like the final victory for all of humanity but it's really a series of victories resurrection was just the grand finale it was the grand finale of victories so though we celebrate resurrection I want to point out something significant we really celebrate the big three it's the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I want to tell you it's also the death the burial and the resurrection of you and me We don't only celebrate Jesus, we celebrate what it means to us in our life, death. In verse 24, we just read, he said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new. Listen, nobody wants to die. Jesus didn't wanna die. That's why it was so hard for him. That's why he sweat drops of blood. It was so difficult. For jesus nobody wants to lose their life jesus did not feel like dying on that day it wasn't easy for him it was difficult jesus could not hold on to uh jesus could not hold on to his life uh, he, jesus could have hold, held on to his life he didn't have to die but he said the the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak would you help me through this and he gave his own life paul had to die you remember Paul the Apostle, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, all the great things that I may have in this life, when I give those things up, I get to have Christ in my life. To die is gain. He also said in Philippians 3, 7, he said, what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss that I may gain Christ. See, when you lay down your own life, Christ had to lay down his own life and his own flesh. We have to lay down our own life. Uh, sometimes we talk about just taking on Christ and saying, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I can live with all the old stuff, and I can take on the new stuff, and let's just see how all that works. It doesn't. When we come to Christ, we have to repent. That's why the Bible says in the book of Acts, repent and be baptized, every one of you. What is repent? It means change your mindset. Lay down your old life, whether it was good, whether it was bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It has to die in order to take on Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He said, not I live, but Christ lives in me, but I've been crucified with Christ. We're talking about the death and the crucifixion of Jesus, but it's also the, de- the death and the crucifixion of our own way of living, our goals, our plans, our old nature. In us, he said, those who love their life in this world will lose it if we try to hold on to our lives. We can't gain Christ. He said, but those who care nothing about their lives will gain eternity. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, he needs to deny himself over in Matthew chapter 16 and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's not popular to say you have to die to yourself, but I'll tell you, unless we do it, we can't find new life in Christ. Jesus said, you can't find the life unless you die the death. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find them. Many people, and I've watched people, I've counseled people over the years. Many people want to have new life in Jesus, but they want to hold on to that old life. And they have this competition of the two. It's like being married to two wives. (laughs) Let me tell you, it just won't work. You can't do it, right? some, Some say it's hard enough to be married to one wife. But let me tell you, that's not the case for me. I have... I have a perfect marriage. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, baby. The, the mom is in the room. My wife's in the room. But uh, many want to take on their new life with Christ, but they want to keep their own life. Let me tell you, you can't have both. You have to repent of one. Those who want to stay single, they want to stay being a player, but they want to be married at the same time. No, you have to surrender your singleness in order to be married. You have to surrender your old life in order to gain your new life in Christ it's why many people struggle with sin because they take on their new life in Christ but they didn't never lay down their old life in him and let me tell you if that's you you may have been a believer and you've taken on Christ but you've never repented of your sin and laid down your own life it's to your benefit that you do it you can just say right now I repent of my sin I lay down my old life right now And then burial. What's burial all about? Well, he says in verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil. There's something about being planted in the soil. It's not just dying and crushing it, but it's planting it in the soil. That's why the very first thing it says in the Bible is repent and be baptize baptism is a symbol of going into the ground (laughs) jesus is not going to say repent and we're going to bury you in the ground as a symbol no he says let's put you under water as a symbol of the ground that we're going to put your old life under and your new life is what's going to rise in him baptism is a big deal Um, it's the very first thing it's not just it's not just dying but it's dying and and putting that old man into the ground. It's not just like Jesus was on the cross and he you know sometimes people say well it's, it's about his death and about his resurrection. No, he could have just been on the cross and been like into your hands I give up my spirit and he laid down his life and all of a sudden he's like all right, here I am again. No, there was something about him going getting off the cross and getting put into a tomb and being buried. And there's something about you and me, our old man being buried, being put away. That's where freedom comes, is where the old man can be put away. See, in life, even our legals, we don't just have birth certificates, we have death certificates. They're both important. Because a death certificate says that the person's life no longer exists or they're no longer physically living on this earth anymore. Maybe they're influences, but they're not. And let me tell you, your old man has to be put to death and has to be put into the grave. Death certificates signify inheritance. And when Jesus uh, uh, died and gave his life, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, that if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Because he was put in the grave and he had that death certificate, so to speak, we get to take on the new life in him. Us. We need to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Romans chapter six says, consider yourself or count yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. In other words, you may say, well, that's really hard to do because I'm so aware of my, man, I cuss in my mind. I have bad thoughts. I wanna kill someone sometimes when I get on the freeway. I mean, I get mad at my family. I get mad at this. I have the worst. Some people, I don't even know if I'm saved, Listen, you are, you just have to consider yourself dead to sin, Romans chapter six says. Count. Act as if that old man is gone and renew your mind to the word of God. Don't hang out with your old man. Don't go, go to the bar with them. Don't go drink with them. Don't have these memories of the good old days. They weren't the good old days. Let me tell you, they were days that you need to bury and put, if you wanna be free, bury the old man and take on the new life that's in Christ Jesus. Why? Because dead men can't sin. (laughs) Dead men tell no lies, right? Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead men tell no lies. So it's the dead people. If you consider yourself dead, you won't have a problem with sin. So it's important to bury that old man. It's about the death, burial, and then last of all, listen, the resurrection. And that's what we're here to talk about today. We're finishing with this. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He didn't just, he wasn't just a, a hero that died he wasn't just someone who gave his life, though I think that would be a lot. It, was, it wasn't just someone who was buried and we, we go visit his grave and people from all over say, have you visited the grave of Jesus? I've never visited the grave of Jesus where Jesus is today. No, it's the empty grave. It's the empty grave. Why? Because we get to celebrate. I think we're the only ones. We're the only faith. People say, what sets your faith apart? <laughs> that our Savior isn't still dead. He's not a memory. He's not history. He's present. In fact, before he left, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says here, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted, he says, but its death will produce many new kernels. Jesus didn't die just because it was the plan. Jesus died with you and I in mind. In fact, it says in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11 is is called the great faith. Uh, like the great faith chapter, and you read about all these people of faith, but then it goes right into chapter 12, and it says, so since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which holds us back, he says, and let's set our eyes on Jesus. I think he's really the champion of the great faith here. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, listen, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. What was he doing? He said the joy that was set before him, I think sometimes we go, how did Jesus go before it? He didn't look at it. He looked at the joy. He looked at the joy of you and I today. He looked at the joy of being with us. He looked at the joy of for so long we had to be separated from the presence of God. And he looked at the joy at that for eternity, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we have access to God's presence now. The Bible says that when he was on the cross, that as soon as he gave up his spirit and died, the Bible says, it switches to the temple and it says that the, curtain the big thick curtain that separated the holy place and to the holiest of holies really that separated man from the presence of god it was ripped from the top to the bottom that was the very first thing the bible said that happened when jesus died what is it saying the very first thing you and i get when jesus died is access to god's presence again he says i'm going to open up the veil you're not going to be separated there is no holy of holies that you can't come in anymore You get me again, just like the Garden of Eden. You get me again. That's what the resurrection's all about. It's about your old man dying, being buried, and having a new life in Christ Jesus. That's what Easter is all about. And the great thing about it is every one of us get a chance. Every one of us get the opportunity. I had a friend who I grew up with, and I remember that a little bit later into... uh, into the years, I went one direction, and he went into jail. (laughs) He went into a different direction, and I'm not laughing about him. Well, I'm not laughing about it. He and I used to laugh about a lot of things. But he did something bad, and he went into prison. And in prison, it changed his mindset, and he started thinking different, and he started getting territorial and got into uh, some different things, and he ended up uh, doing something really bad in prison and then something else really bad and he was in jail for years i mean in, in bad prison for years and i remember when he came out we went out to lunch and he finally got out after years you know we'd talk on the phone here and there and i remember sitting across from him at a restaurant and as we sat there he's you know he was constantly looking over his shoulder and i said what's the deal what are you looking at and he said just i've lived all these years (laughs) in prison and i don't even know how to think free anymore and uh it was just shortly after that he went back to prison (laughs) i wish i had a good testimony on that one but i don't but i think of him sometimes because i think of so many believers that they're so conscious they're so conscious and aware of their surroundings and all the, all the harm, all the danger, all the, the old thing because of sin. Remember what sin originally did in the Garden of Eden? Sin caused man to hide from God. It caused him to be aware. And they were aware that he, they didn't even know they were naked. I mean, if it wasn't for them, everybody would be walking around naked today. <laughs> you think, oh, oh Lord, <laughs> why did he bring that up? But listen, they, they weren't even aware that they didn't have coverings. And as soon as they said, we're naked, so we hid ourselves, what did God say? He said, who told you you were naked? What was he saying? I was your covering. I didn't want you to have any insecurity. I didn't want you to have any feelings that there was depravity or being held back. Listen, that's, that's what God does for us. That's what the cross does for us. That's what the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wants to make you brand new. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Listen, he doesn't say a washed over, but he says a new creation. I love every once in a while walking into the Goodwill and seeing something that was old and thinking that's cool. But you know what? I love walking into the Nordstrom too, or a nice shop and seeing something brand new. Can I tell you, I have a certain feeling about this, like nostalgic but I have a better feeling about this. And it, it's not that one's better than the other, but but I can tell you uh, it's brand new. Nobody's ever worn the shirt before. When he said he'll make you brand new, he didn't mean he'll just wash you and clean you up and you still have the residue and the smell of old. No, he said he'll make you brand new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And today... I know that the presence of the Lord is here even in our conversation, even as we're just around here right now. And the love of Jesus, the same love as when he sat down with his disciples and said, take this, take my body, take my blood. It was broken for you. It's just as real today. It's not a 2,000-year-old story. It's a today's story right now. And I want to invite you, in fact, every person right now, However this related to you, it might be that you've been saved for years, but you still are carrying the old man. You haven't buried him yet. It may be that you haven't walked in the freedom that Christ has provided for you too. Or it may be that you've never out of your mouth and from the sincerity of your heart made Jesus the Lord of your life. Whatever that be, would you do this with me right now? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Would you open your heart to Jesus? And say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Jesus, thank you for being buried for me. Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Thank you for coming and offering up your life for me. And thank you for being raised from the dead for my salvation. And today, say this with me, today I repent of my sins. Today I lay down my old life. Today I lay down my old man. Some people might say, oh, but I want him so bad. I promise, Jesus promises you that it's a better life. <laughs> so we lay down our own lives. We lay down our old life, our own plan, our old plans, our old dreams, our old sin. We bury that sucker. <laughs> and in the name of Jesus, we take on the new life. In Jesus, life more abundantly, John 10 says. And we thank you for it, Jesus. Your precious name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.